welcome back. Another episode, um, early episode of Evolving Through Experience, where we're talking about everything growth. Evolving Through Experience is exactly that, just from every aspect, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically, and then whatever other levels come after that. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we, we have to talk about this as far as growth, because there's so many different things that people deal with on a regular um, whether we know it or not, behind closed doors, in front of closed doors, no matter where you at. And it's like, that's my whole goal is to bring light to that, control the narrative, and let people know that no matter what you're going through, you can overcome it. So um, first and foremost, um, Tracy Lithcut, right? Yes. Got to make sure I pronounce it right. I don't mind asking that because um, I know sometimes we can mispronounce somebody's name. And I think it's always great just to make sure we clarify things um, in life in general. Absolutely. Um, so obviously it's so much that you told me so far since we have spoke that mm -hmm. I had to cut the conversation short <laughs> <laughs> so we can pretty much get it to the episode because obviously just from what we were speaking about, it was just like, I knew you would be a perfect person to have on, obviously what, what you're doing and we're going to get into that. Um, so first and foremost, thank you for being on. Well, thank you for having me. Nah, for sure, for sure. Um, first, let's start about where... Where did you? Where were you born? I believe you said Boston, right? Yes. Yeah, so okay. um, I'm currently uh, well known. My name is Tracy Lithgow, of course. Okay. Um, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. um, right in Roxbury, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I always tell people from outside the Massachusetts area, it's where New Edition's from. So okay. um, <laughs> yes, I come from Roxbury, Massachusetts. Um, I come from a very educated family, but mm -hmm. I'm also a child of parents who are both formerly incarcerated. Okay. Um, right now, currently, I'm in, living in Atlanta, and I work for the National Council of Incar for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. Okay, yeah, and that's, that's exactly where I was going to transition to next. I know you said, so you said for everybody was formerly incarcerated, correct? My, both my parents, yes. Both, okay, so they're good now, they're free now, okay, correct? Yes, my okay. mother uh, is the executive director of the organization, mm -hmm. and uh, my dad, unfortunately, passed away in October of last okay. year. Okay, my, my condolences, Thank first you. and foremost, Thank you. of course. Of course. So let's get, jump straight into it as far as National Council. Let's start with what that is, because um, I know we spoke about it briefly, but just for obviously the people that don't know, let's talk mm -hmm. about that National Council. Well, the National Council, which we say for short, mm -hmm. um, it's an organization that was started by my mother, executive director and founder, Andrea James. Mm -hmm. um, her and other women uh, who were incarcerated in Danbury Federal, Federal Prison mm -hmm. um, created this organization because uh, at the end of the day, uh, they were the ones living day by day um, mm. in the uh, in the prison system, but they were also finding other ways of how are they going to get the other women home once they mm. actually are released themselves. So uh, the matriarch actually that we have, Phyllis Hardy, uh, we call her grandma. She was mm -hmm. part of the council. She was actually one of the main focus women that we were trying to get out within the process. Um, and we actually were able to get grandma out. Mm -hmm. And she actually does currently work for the council right okay. now. Um, so what the council believes in, um, we believe in ending the incarceration of women and girls, as well as changing the narrative of what prison reform uh, truly means. Uh, so we have things. Our headquarters is currently in Boston because of my mom being from Boston. Mm -hmm. um, but we believe in starting in our own backyard. Mm -hmm. The National Council also has different branches within different states because, uh, as I said before, a lot of the women who work with my mother are formerly incarcerated from different states. So we have west, basically all West Coast, East Coast, mm -hmm. North and South. Um, but right now we have three pillars that we are currently working on. 
reimagining communities. Reimagining communities is basically putting the resources within the community instead of putting it towards prisons. Mm -hmm. What people don't understand is that in Massachusetts right now, they are trying to currently fund a $50 million new women's prison in Massachusetts. Just a million dollars of that can go into one simple part of our community in mm -hmm. Boston. Roxbury, my hometown, is actually... Yes, Roxbury is actually my hometown, and they actually have the highest incarceration rates within uh, the the different districts of Boston. So we That's have it. Boston, Dorchester, um, Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan, Rosendale, and other few uh, towns of Boston, but Roxbury isn't the main one. Okay. What people don't understand mm -hmm. is that Massachusetts, we have a low um, population for um, in Massachusetts for incarcerated women, but we have the highest uh, sentencing. So mm -hmm. women that That's are true. 50 plus uh, have life are serving life sentences, double life sentences, things of that nature. Um, so that's our first thing is to make it aware to the community. We also have this thing called community love fund. So if you are a woman who is just transitioning out of um, the system or if you are a person that is directly impacted, you get $500 for us um, a month for about a year. Um, and this is all just still under reimagining communities. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, different programs where... Um, and, uh, for hydroponic farming. So we have mm -hmm. that going on right I've now that, yeah. in Massachusetts and Pittsburgh right now currently. Mm -hmm. And we plan on actually giving uh, the vegetables to communities that are facing food deserts right now. Okay. And we are also starting programs where people will be able to do CDL programs. Uh, we also have programs instead of reaching out to law enforcement mm -hmm. um, to handle situations, we're going to have trained individuals from the community come and try to, you know, de-escalate the situation and yeah. cause less harm to the people within the community. Now, I'm glad you said that because it's so much you did just say, and it's a few pointers I even want to point out from there. Um, first and foremost, obviously, we know it's intentional. Like you said, they, they're trying to fund the $50 million. And I, I know you're saying trying, but obviously, you know, this they're not even trying. they just doing it like... <laughs> Out yeah. of thin air, so it's um. I'm glad you're saying y'all being proactive. Like even like a million could go towards being proactive and avoiding that whole situation in general. But obviously we know this is intentional. Um, prison system obviously is private business, so it, it's very profitable. Um, it's a it's an unfortunate profit. Um, although obviously as a business owner, I, I, we all love profit, but that's like that goes where it goes against ethics and morals at the end of the day. So with that being said. Obviously, y'all have done a lot and started a lot since it been started. Was it started in 2018? When did it start? As it, far as the, it started the in 2011. 2011. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It started in 2011, um, and that was right around the time uh, I want to say that was either the year my mother was released from prison or possibly a year after. Um, okay. Usually, a lot of trauma you try yeah, not yeah, to yeah. think about. Yeah, as I understand. A, That's as a, a child. whole part. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was only. I was 12 when my mother was incarcerated. Um, my mother actually had. He's now 13, but my mm -hmm. little brother was only five months old mm -hmm. when she had to turn herself in. And then I have my sisters who yeah. uh, were much older, but they were still affected as well. No, of course. I think no matter what age, somebody is going to be affected. And I, obviously, I'm sure it was probably harder for your little brother i mean at, at the time I and mean, he only five months so he didn't know then but coming up and hearing this so how long was she incarcerated she was incarcerated for two years two years um okay. yes um and she was in danbury connecticut mm -hmm. so 
Um, my dad, he was mm-hmm. the reason why my little brother even was able to still know my mom was my yeah. mom. Every weekend, we would drive two and a half hours from Boston, Massachusetts, to, to Danbury, Connecticut, just to see my mom from whatever time range that they had. And, um, yeah, he, it, I was very grateful to even have my dad to do mm-hmm. that because there are a lot of children who are separated. Their mothers are across the country in yeah, California, exactly. and their children can be in New York mm-hmm. and Boston, yeah. you know. So I'm I'm very fortunate to say that. But yeah. um, like I said, there are a lot of children right now who are directly impacted, and they right. do not have that opportunity when yeah. it comes to seeing their mothers incarcerated. No, facts. And a shout-out to your pops for that. And how, how old... How, um, well, how how long was he incarcerated? My dad, I want to say four years. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't born yet, um, okay. but he was incarcerated um, in Pennsylvania. Okay, so cool. So I know the statistics. So let's mm-hmm. let's even we're gonna transition. So I know it's a statistic, and I have it. It was actually um, I think they say it's six times more likely, six to seven more times likely for uh, a kid to be incarcerated being if their parents were. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that transition, like. How did you obviously avoid that or were, I'm sure there's been instances where not necessarily you was tempted to go, but it's just like obviously from the inside of knowing like, all right, my parents been incarcerated and having to deal with that from the mental and emotional battle just as a teen or as a kid. And just like, and then you have other siblings and y'all all trying to navigate between these mm-hmm. different emotions mm-hmm. and not lashing out. How did you transition through that to pretty much obviously to get to where you are today? Well, I will say, um, my like I said earlier, my parents, um, my mom especially, um, comes from a very educated background. Mm-hmm. So school, to me, I didn't have a choice whether mm-hmm. yeah. my mom was there or not, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, but I also loved school, mm-hmm. so I felt like that was kind of my way from escaping from the world and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but to be honest, I had friends who had parents but their fathers incarcerated so to be honest it was kind of not normal Mm -hmm. but it was kind of like oh you could you just got to do day by day do what you got to do and stuff um but i always knew but i always told myself that my mother was coming home so Mm -hmm. i have to do what i have to do regardless um but what i want people to know when they don't have a due date for for their parent um Mm -hmm. who is being released from prison you got to keep going for for your parents because mm-hmm. your parents are going to live through you and and you know at the end of the day we yeah. we gone we go through so much trauma just as a child um but it's really up to us to really figure out how we can come to some type of mental healing for ourselves in our community Agreed. and that's why i say we need to put more resources into the community so we don't even have issues like this of mm-hmm. a mother going to a prison and their child us worrying about if their child is going to be incarcerated next mm-hmm just things like that and i don't i don't mean to toot our own horn but <laughs> nah. we actually have stopped uh the architecture company four times for actually just trying to build, build. no yeah nah, that, that, that's definitely something to toot your horn yeah. about because it's just like this is this is bigger than your mom and y'all like obviously y'all know that because y'all started this to help so many other people so that's definitely something because i know sometimes people could see and want something and they feel like it's no change coming and obviously it's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't understand when building anything even with me building this company evolving through experience because it's more than a podcast but at the end of the day it's a lot of things people don't see behind the scenes that mm-hmm. taking effect so y'all being able to stop the architect company i think that's a huge accomplishment yeah so I, I i definitely got to commend y'all for that Thank but you. with that being said what advice would you say 
your mom was giving you while y'all going on those visits and mm-hmm. it's like a constant thing you're you're pretty much getting accustomed to coming here on a regular site like mm-hmm. you starting to meet the the security or whatever there yeah, so often so <laughs> like what advice is she giving you to pretty much when you go back home it's like it's a substance where it's like all right we could get through this together we're doing mm-hmm. it together so what advice would that be that she i gave? would definitely say the advice that my mother definitely gave to me is watch who you surround as your circle as your mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. um because you can think that you're doing so good for your people but at the same time people can be taking advantage of mm-hmm. you people could put you in predicaments where they'll leave you uh like you know so it's just like right now what my mother was really telling me as a 12 year old girl is that you gotta finish school's your only hustle right now Mm -hmm. so this should be your only focus right now and you know there's only so much a mother can tell you while being incarcerated and stuff Mm -hmm. because i can smile in your face right now we be so happy but at the end of the day you're not going home with me You, you have to go right back in there and like what used to kill us is that uh, and it's, if certain people watching this know Danbury, Connecticut, um, my mother was up the hill. So mm-hmm. down the hill um, and then up the hill. Um, and what it just mean bas- by that? So down the hill basically meant like just depending on your case and stuff, mm-hmm. if it was considered a violent oh, transgression, yeah. things like mm-hmm. that, or other blue collar crimes. Mm-hmm. So usually up the hill were less violent transgressions. Yeah. Um, so she was down the hill, you saying? No, she was up the hill. Oh, she, she was, was up the hill. She okay, was up okay. the hill. But the thing is up the hill is that there's a window that you can see mm-hmm. and we can't see my mom, but my mom could, could see, see us leaving. when she was leaving. Mm-hmm. And I know that was really killing my mom yeah. inside. So, I can only imagine. Yeah, and like, you as know, me too. as a child, I'm not yeah. really knowing my emotions and stuff you know i'm young and stuff and everything so just as a mother like i can just tell that was hard and stuff and my little brother he wasn't really aware of the things so for me it was just kind of like you gotta do what you gotta do facts Uh, i'm glad you said that because even just as a father i can only imagine sitting in a cell and seeing my son go away on a regular like knowing like either whether I was accountable in uh, in the day, whether I did something to land me here or somebody else is just like, it. none of that even matters right now. Knowing yeah. my son is going away, whether no matter what age, it's just like, dang, I can only imagine. So I yeah. can, could, could, like I said, I can only imagine. I know people saying I can't imagine, but you can imagine some degree, but you can't relate. You yeah. can't relate. You can imagine, yeah. but you can't relate. Exactly. So I think that's vital. And at the end of the day, with that being said, also, what advice would you give in your mom? Because I know she needed it just as mm-hmm. much as y'all probably need it. It's probably, mm-hmm. probably like a, a mutual give and take type thing. So Yeah, but to be honest, um, my mom, she was stuck on me with school, school, mm-hmm. school, school. So I think me just continuing to get good grades while we were going through this as a family, mm-hmm. that was, was, was making my mother truly happy. And mm-hmm. um, I was a basketball player, so... Mm-hmm. Just talking to my mom about my basketball games mm-hmm. and stuff, just about everyday life that I'm learning. I think that's what brought true happiness yeah. to her. And to be honest, that. yeah, even at 12 years old, like I kind of realized, you know, I I may be sad even, but you know, there are other people going through way worse situations mm-hmm. like this. And um, yeah. it, it's just, I it, it was just, I don't know. I felt like at 12 years old, I was just grateful to. St- just still able to see my mom and have a solid foundation um, with my family, like my dad, my sisters, my grandparents, things like that. No, I really got to commend you. And I don't say that lightly because, again, at 12 years old, the process that I'm like, I'm grateful for what I do have. It's like and that's one thing I practice now, um, just great gratefulness and gratitude on a regular daily basis, just for simple things like the fact I could stand up 
and go to the yes. bathroom in the morning yes. by myself, whether it's three in the morning, I don't really want to get up, but it's like I, I could do it by myself without having help. So like you said, you realizing this gratefulness at 12, like mm-hmm. knowing that, like, all right, it's some people, parents that's not even here. So I'm a, although it's unfortunate, I got to go visit my mom in a whole nother state to see mm-hmm. her in, in prison. But it's like at least I get that. And it's like you hone you focusing on that. And I think that's so vital for a lot of people to do that same thing, to focus on what you do have versus focusing on what you don't. Because as exactly. soon as you start focusing on what you don't, you're going to focus on more of what you don't. Exactly. And it's just like then you then you don't even realize you just lost for the thing that you really needed or you was grateful for yeah. or should have been grateful for. And my family poured so much love into us that, you know, um, you always want that missing piece of, yeah. of your mom. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my dad, he was he was my rock. So yeah. he was able to, to hold all of us together, like, because it's my sisters mm-hmm. and my little brother. So and How many were your siblings total? How many is it? On my mom's side, there was, she has three daughters mm-hmm. and um, two sons. Um, okay. So my um, my other siblings, they were actually uh, outside of the house. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were grown. Girl, so okay, they yeah. were, uh, you know, living, thing. yeah, doing yeah. their own thing. Um, so um, I was fortunate. I didn't have to leave once my mother um, went to prison. I didn't have to leave my home or anything mm-hmm. because my grandparents, well, my great-grandmother, um, bought the house that my family currently lives now in Boston. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm the fourth generation to live in that house, if okay. I'm not. Um, Legendary house then. Yes. Yeah. Never black people, it. Right, black people don't sell <laughs> your <laughs> house. Don't sell them houses. I mean, that grandma left y'all. We will buy houses. So. Right, don't sell that. <laughs> <Right. laughs> we will buy the house. Right, buy black, but don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you sell it, if you got to sell, just holler at us. We're going we gonna to make sure we look out at the end of the day. If you got to sell, if you got to sell. Yeah. Um. So let's, I want to talk about that too, your, your pop. So, what advice was he giving y'all? Because then even from, obviously, I know you can't speak from a man's standpoint, mm-hmm. but I could, again, only imagine him trying to hold it down for everybody, all the the, do- the daughters and the son. Like So it's just yeah. like, all right, how do I navigate through this? So what advice was he giving y'all? And like, what would you feel like was his outlet during this entire time? Feeling like, because he got to hold it and take on all that weight by itself. To be honest, I wouldn't even say advice. My dad was all about action. So mm-hmm. he, uh, like I said, my little brother was five months mm-hmm. old when my mother went to prison. So yeah. uh, I don't think my dad was actually able to be there for the, his other daughters because mm-hmm. he was incarcerated at their early ages. Mm-hmm. Um, so once my little brother was born, he, he really... Wanted to be there. He ate that yeah. up. And, and, yeah. he, and he was... My little brother, you couldn't, he, he would not go. If it wasn't me or my yeah. dad, he wouldn't go. So he handled yeah. what he was supposed to handle. Like, my grandparents had custody on the, uh, they were on the first floor. And they took very well care of me, like, yeah. through, through like, helping me, funding me through school. But my dad, he was doing to make sure I, I got up for school. Yeah. I did what I was supposed to do. I still had chores. Yeah, like, facts. He, still he, that yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. nothing really changed. He was just, he was just on top of me, like on top yeah. of me. He, and you know, I handled my my grades so well. He didn't yeah, really he have to it. pay attention to that aspect of it. But he was really about action and stuff, and did what he was supposed to. And like I said, he traveled every weekend yeah. to Danbury, Connecticut. Nah, I, I never even met him, but I definitely want to say, just from what you told me, I I'm thankful for him and, and inspired by that because as a father, it's just like 
like I said, I can only imagine that pressure. Obviously, as any father, it's pressure on you because you you have a whole seed. So for him to be able to do all of that is just like like you said, really just get it done. Yeah. Like no no excuses. Mm-hmm. I I can relate to that because like it's no excuses when it comes to my son. Like it's something you need to be done. It's like it's me or nobody else. Obviously, his mom is definitely in the picture and she's a great mother. I want to mm-hmm. be on record saying that. Mm-hmm. But in the, the day as a father, it's like this is my responsibility and it's like I won't let nobody tell me I'm not accountable because exactly. obviously knowing there's so many fathers that's intentionally and unintentionally they're not there in their kid's life. So it's like who am I to play with this gift or this blessing to not be able to be active? Um, with that being said, being that we speaking about kids, you do you have any kids? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, dang, why you say it like that? So, nah. so do you feel like, obviously, do you feel like this situation will affect you to some degree, obviously for the better mm-hmm. when you do have kids or when you decide to have kids, if you want Wait, them? what do you mean by like? As far as like this whole transition of you, obviously your parents being mm-hmm. incarcerated and mm-hmm. things like that. Do you feel like, do you want kids first and foremost? I do. I okay. Do. So you feel like this situation obviously will help you for the better when you do have them and Showing oh, yeah. them how to navigate things a lot better. Absolutely. Um, to be honest, whatever kick comes into this family now is we call it a movement baby. Um, <laughs> a movement baby. Yeah, I, I like have two. That. I have two yeah. nieces, Katori like Ray that. and Lola. <laughs> Shout um, out to them. Yes, my babies. Uh, they. Uh, that's what I'm really gonna instill in my child uh, because you know this. And in incarceration of women and girls, it's not going to end tomorrow. It's going to yeah. take some time because mm-hmm. we have to dismantle a whole system and basically start over yeah. <laughs> because this system was never cre- destined for us to That's succeed or anything like that. So my whole objective when I have a child is to cre- make my child very aware of the things going on um, and just be publicly, politically aware and just read, 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 read. Mm-hmm. That's what my mother has instilled in us. Read, read, read books. Like, mm-hmm. and I, said that. Yes, <laughs> and I fortunately uh, was able to uh, graduate from Spelman College. And that, thank you. And that's what they instilled in us, like read. our whole freshman mm-hmm. year, just reading, 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 learning about the African diaspora of mm-hmm. the world, things of that. Yeah. So the more you know, the, the less... These people can talk to yeah. you crazy or anything mm-hmm. like that because you know how to you, navigate. exactly mm-hmm. when you know your stuff, can't nobody tell you anything. Yeah, different. I'm glad you said that because that's actually what I was gonna go into next. But before I get there, mm-hmm. what's a book that you recommend that you've read? This one, because obviously I know mm-hmm. you've probably read several books, mm-hmm. but in a sense of a book that's inspired you to grow and keep pushing forward, that actually gave you real substance. Because you know it's a lot of generic books like just get it done or. You can, you can do whatever you put your mind to, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about real substance, like those intangible skills and mm-hmm. gifts that you need. Mm-hmm. So what's one book that you read you could say? Well, I will say my favorite book that I ever read uh, was the autobiography of Asada Shakur. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that just because uh, that's a black woman not only speaking from experience, but she mm-hmm. knows what she's talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and another book I would possibly hmm there's so many angela davis books that like i really i i honestly just recommend any angela davis books whatsoever um i was also a fan of my angelo so i'm a Mm -hmm. fan of a lot of black authors um yeah, I I've, I could give you a whole lot of books, yeah, but the autobi—the yeah. autobiography of Asada Shakur uh, okay. basically just shows you just the the basics of the work that we people are trying to do when it comes to just b- black people, incarceration, yeah. things of that. So it was one part where you did see when I was checking out your website. I like you say y'all y'all want to give people actual help. So I love what y'all doing with the five hundred a month because mm-hmm. that's putting actions behind your words versus yes. just saying 
all right, or just trying to figure it out another way. It's like, let's really help you in what you need. People may, you may be offering water, but if somebody need a snack, it's like, it does not matter. Like, this is what they need. So y'all mm -hmm. actually doing what they need. And I, I think that's really vital. Um, one part I seen on your website was where y'all was giving those actual steps on what to do um, with like little black, like not little black girls, but mm -hmm. black children that's in school. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I forgot the exact tab it was under, mm -hmm. but pretty much where y'all was like, if something does happen with your daughter or a black kid in your school this is what you do this is your rights to get access mm -hmm. to the footage mm -hmm. get rights to documentation yeah. um and the biggest part of what i really loved was listen to what the child has to say the parent coming in and instead of just listening to one side of the story but actually sitting down and listen to what does this little girl little boy say exactly. happen like and let them know like i'm not just listening but I'm, I'm not just hearing you but i'm really listening to let you say your side because i think it's situations where that doesn't happen often and then they wonder why those same little kids and girls grow up and now they don't want to speak about certain things they just let things slide but inside it's not so much just sliding it's just building up that turmoil exactly. that's going to eventually lash out and now it's like oh they're another statistic so that's what i want to talk about yeah. i really loved how y'all did that thank you and i think another problem to add on to what you're saying um i think another problem that we have to address towards that is how um black women are perceived when it comes mm -hmm. to their emotions because yeah. mm. a lot of times we'll uh, <laughs> you, you know and, and um so. <laughs> me i was fortunate enough to yeah. attend a private school uh that was predominantly white when i was in high school um but you know sometimes things that like you know a typical black woman mm -hmm. would just kind of have an attitude not yeah. even an attitude yeah. like a, a, something that she has a right to be yeah, facts, angry about um you know I was always kind of seen as the angry black yeah. kid. And once I was there, I didn't want to be be seen, seen that as way, that, yeah. you know, constantly, yeah. you know. So it, that did cause me yeah. to shut down and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but another outlet I will say that I did find when I was attending that school, um, I took a creative writing class. Okay. And, mm. you know, I know a lot of... You know, you meet a lot of girls and stuff, and you hear that, like, you know, they're writers, they write books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I always thought to myself, and my sister, shout out to my sister, we were just talking about this. Um, like, start something creative writing for people who are mm -hmm. transitioning out of prison and stuff, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, just to, to write down everything yeah. because you're, you're, you're trapped in with all yeah. these other women and in an yeah, unsafe, relate. like, you know, just environment, yeah. terrible environment you know intentionally of course exactly but yeah. guards aren't the best people like mm. you just trying to get home to your family you yeah. try to get a phone call some women can't even get some women are even incarcerated due to them not being able to afford bail oh and, my and I, that we is, can talk about it yeah <laughs> no that like i said we'll, we'll be here all day and some because even with that alone i had a different question about being that you just said that it's like not even being able to afford bail and this is one of the reasons like why I do what I do now, and that's why I stopped waiting to bring this platform back. Um, Khalif Browder, know yes, the story? Yes, man, man like in New York, every yes. yeah, yeah. Every time I, I, once I first heard about that story, I was like young. I think I was in, I think I was like high school, mm -hmm, when, like mm -hmm. early high school, when I found out about that story. And then seeing the documentary, like it, it brings tears in my eyes mm -hmm. to know, like, bro, bro, like one, he wasn't even, he didn't even do nothing wrong. But to know y'all intentionally set these bells high, knowing mm -hmm. that he couldn't afford a three thousand dollar bell, is like. No, that's ridiculous. Exactly. And at the end of the day, 
with that being said, not only was I enraged with emotion behind it, but like I tried to do a lot of things that Khalif said he wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. like his actual words were from the documentary. It's like I know he connected with Hove and Jay Z, and then he was doing things. He was making uh, traction to get better to what he wanted to do. Um, and I think that's one part of the reason why I went to college too. But I know Khalif said he wanted to be a businessman. He wanted to be on Wall Street. He also said he wished he could have went to prom. I wasn't gonna go to my high school prom, <laughs> but once I heard that, I was like, all right, let's order the suit, whatever yep, I need. Yep. It's like because when it's bigger than me, it's like it's easy for me to do things or really have no excuses with it. And like this is what the brand is. It's bigger than me. So knowing like he wished he could have did those things, it's just like like. I got to do whatever I can. Whatever he said he wish he could have did, I'm going to do it for him. And even with that, like, excuse me, even celebrating, like, my birthdays and stuff like that. It's a lot of people that I know personally, family, whatever, like, that's around, that would have been my age mm-hmm. that never even got to see it. So who am I not to be grateful for yeah. and make sure I celebrate it? Because it's not for me, but it's also for the ones that's not here. So, yeah, yeah I'm definitely glad you said I'm glad you said that. Thank you. And another thing I want to say, um, not to cut you off real mm-hmm. quick, is back to the books and also with the black girls and knowing the not statistics, but as far as with mm-hmm. them being um, targeted in school. Yeah. It also, when I checked out on the website, it reminded me of the book I read by Dr. Umar, The Holocaust of Academic Black Boys. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't think you said black boys, but just kids that look like us, the academic Holocaust that's intentional. So reading that book is just like, seeing that these different people that has the power over these schools, districts, mm-hmm. and things like that, seeing them intentionally say or set things up to for us to fail was just crazy. So it's yeah. like I wasn't surprised when I was reading that on your website, but it made me think of that book, knowing that the district of this, the school uh, board district or whatever of this area or this state was intentionally setting things up. And I'm talking about from the 60s. So that's still in effect to today. And it's just exactly. like that helped me navigate through school a lot better because it's like I see where those same situations that he was talking about in the book, mm-hmm. I see where they were trying to do that to me. And I had a school a teacher mm-hmm. one time, or actually a principal tell me not to come to school. I probably had to tell that story a whole nother time, but he <laughs> told me not to come to school. And I just thought it was regular. Like, yeah. I, like we said, we think some of this stuff is normal. I'm like, okay, cool. Don't come to school. I didn't want to come to school anyways. Like, but a principal <laughs> tell me yeah. not to come to school. And when I was telling people, they was like, no, he can't tell you that. Yeah. Like, he can get in trouble for that. And I wound up, somebody told me, and this is why I think I always had this spirit. Like, I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going I'm to I'm hold people accountable. So they was like, you should write a, a, a letter to the board of district, and then have everybody that he told that was in the area sign that paper. And then they tried to put me in a whole nother classroom or whatever. But I wrote that, and then he was back the next day. I don't know whatever happened, but he told mm-hmm. me not to come to school. But yeah. I'll have to tell this story another day in detail. But that's just right there, like a principal. School's supposed Mm -hmm. to be a place for you to get the best education that you have. (laughs) But yet you get your, you just, that's bullying. Like he's over here telling you this stuff and this is why, you know. Don't come to school, bro. Yeah, and it's just like, (laughs) who who are you to tell me (laughs) not to come to school? Like if I don't come here, you're not getting paid the way you should be getting paid, you know? So it's just like we have to start holding things like schools accountable Mm -hmm. because it all starts with schools Mm -hmm. kids get sent home from school for i'm sorry the dumbest reasons and and you're taking a you don't know what that child went through before Mm -hmm. they came to school you don't know if that That child didn't eat you didn't know if that child was being abused before Mm -hmm. they got to school you don't know some kids have to take care of their families before Mm -hmm. they even go to school unfortunately it's that way yeah exactly so it's just like it'd be wrong and this is why i say you need to have people within your community because because if you don't have people in your community, you're not going to know how to deal yeah. with these people. You're not going to know how to talk to these people. Agreed. Like, they're human at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Don't look at them as a cash cow. 
these are children at the Agreed. end of the day. Yeah. They're at their purest forms right now. No, agreed a thousand percent. And even with that being said, as far as like, I agree with you to some degree on that. As far mm -hmm. as like with the kids going to school, this is what they need. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred percent. But I think mm -hmm. now as we evolve and we transition, it's like we got to bring our kids. We got to obviously be the the first and foremost, the one to educate our kids and hopefully like obviously get them into homeschool, private oh, school yeah. that really Absolutely. teach them real stuff. Because, you know, the substance, it don't be real substance like I don't even know when the last time anybody in here used like a cuse or something, whatever they was teaching in school, <laughs> oh, the, the, the trigonometry. <laughs> like when do we ever really use yeah, that in the real yeah, world? Like yeah. not saying it may not be important for some point, but yeah. depending on what area you want to go in, yeah. you may need that for certain careers. But mm -hmm. depending on what you want to do, like how often do we really use yeah. that type of stuff? Yeah. So I guess when I say that for like schools, I mean, um, how can I say it? We are, it is up to our community to educate us mm -hmm. and stuff. But okay, at the end yeah. of the day, we paying taxes to these schools. So I that feel part. like they need to work <laughs> around, part. at least work around, figure out what mm -hmm. kids in there, if, if you're going to do standardized testing, mm -hmm. even though it's not really to Standard, see, yeah. you know, how these kids are doing in school, the best you can do is try to give them those resources mm -hmm. just so if they are going to go to school, because some parents, some kids don't have the opportunity to go be homeschooled and stuff because their parents work, you know, Agreed, nine yeah. to five, if not working overnights yeah. and stuff. So the best, the, the best we can do right now as not also inform your community, but also put more money into these schools. Like mm -hmm. we need to take care of, cause I, and then to add on in Boston, a lot of public schools are closing, mm -hmm. but more charter schools are open. Yeah, and I don't really know how anybody feels about charter schools, but a lot of they times for profit, right? Yeah, they yeah, and they have yeah, yeah, they yeah. have a lot of rules for the yeah. kids yeah. about you know what they could do, what they can mm -hmm. wear, and stuff like that. And it's just like we're not going to have so many public schools yeah. and everything's going to be chartered. And, and charter, you got to pay for charter, right? Is it Nah, like charter, no, okay. you don't. But um, now what I just realized in New Orleans, basically all the schools now are charter mm. schools and stuff. And okay. that, and mm. that's just going to, people don't even realize that's terrible because yeah. charter schools do nothing for kids in the black community mm -hmm. whatsoever. It's just money cows. Yeah. That's all. No, nah, I'm not even surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised with that at all. With that being said, I want to say, give me a time when you've, um, well, first, when is what does evolving through experience mean to you first? Let's evolving say, through experience? Yeah, just if you just heard um, that, evolving through experience, what does that mean to you? Obviously your whole life, but still. Yeah, but uh, when I hear that, I basically think of how did you take the, if not traumatic experience, they don't have to be traumatic, but Agreed, yeah, any life lesson that you feel that could contribute a major part in your life, I think mm -hmm. that's what's considered um, evolving, evolving through life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. evolving through experience. Yeah, yeah. But my life apologies. Experience. Yeah, no, my experience. Yeah. Um, it's still life, though. Life is an experience, so you're still right. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. that, that, and it's really what you make it. Um, mm -hmm. We, I'm, and I'm not going to say that we don't need any type of healing or therapy. Mm -hmm. The black community is the main community that needs some type of therapy and, uh, and healing. Uh, not just black women, but black mm -hmm. men yeah. also as well. Yeah. Um, so it's really how we take these traumatic experiences, life experiences, and how we turn it into something positive yeah. or a way for it to work for us. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Agree. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll say. No, nah, for sure. And I, with that being said, I know I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to having your mom on too because mm -hmm. I'm sure she could speak from that aspect as mm -hmm. well a, a million times as well from different things that, like like I said, the real intangibles that people need. Like, we can give the generic advice and not saying it's not good, mm -hmm. but, like, we need to help people exactly where they are and, like, exactly with what they need because exactly. that's so vital. So with that, also, give me a time or an example when you've been 
overwhelmed or you feel like you had to you was in like one of your darkest moments, mm-hmm. but you been able to overcome it from now to then and what mm-hmm. helped you do that? Um, I would probably say my darkest moment. Hmm. I probably have to say my dad passing away in October. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it affected the whole family. You know, a lot of yeah. us didn't even know if we wanted con- to, to continue to do this work yeah. and stuff just because my dad, he was also involved with the work yeah, as yeah. well with the council. So mm-hmm. he was, uh, everybody looked up to my dad and he just the things, the thoughts that he had. He came from a traumatic life himself. So mm-hmm. for him to just be this great guy mm-hmm. and, and not be this evil person yeah. and stuff to us, like, you just got to, you know, commend him for that. And, for sure. you know, that's that's what I'll, I'll but my what I say always all the time is that my dad wouldn't want me to be sad yeah. consistently over, over this and stuff. Yeah. Like, like I said, my dad was about action. He, yeah. he moved forward. Um, and you know, I've, I've been trying to find different ways to grieve and stuff, you know, mm. because I realize other people grieve differently. Yeah, um, but what I will say is that every time I think of like, Oh God, like, forget this like yeah. i'm not doing nothing i'm mm-hmm. not motivated anymore it's like he pops up in my head and is like get up yeah. <laughs> like no nah, for sure get up <laughs> no and i think that's good but also do you feel like with that also being said that that could somewhat like be somewhat of a downfall like where you always like focus on the next thing and like oh being yeah pushed? yeah okay yeah, so how do you absolutely. feel like you balance between that and i think it's still a balance and i'm glad you said like you still trying to figure out the grieving because mm-hmm. This is life. Like, I, I know people with this brand, I want people to really see that, yo, like, no matter what it is, you don't got to feel like you overcame it today. Everybody exactly. on here ne- doesn't necessarily, like you said, have to have a traumatic story or have to overcame every single thing because mm-hmm. it's a continuous process. And this is what I want people to see. Like, the same way you listen to it is, like, the same way you can actually do it and understand, like, we ain't got here where it's yeah. all peachy. It's like, you can understand we're still working progress, but mm-hmm. we can do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... What I what I really want to make make it known to people is that acknowledge the trauma first mm. that you have encountered. Um, I think that's important because just everyday stuff, you know, me, Roxbury, Roxbury's the hood. So yeah. just things that we hear, people getting killed. Like I I remember there was a meeting that we had yeah. um in, in Roxbury and they were shooting. We were like, oh, they shooting again. And yeah. it's like that's it's not so normal. normal. Yeah, it's like normalized. that's yeah. so we need to acknowledge yeah. what is trauma first mm-hmm. or what is something that is causing us stress because I, I can speak as a black woman. So We're much, always yeah. told that we can handle all of this stress and all of this stuff. But in reality, I always know when I'm getting overwhelmed when, like, mm-hmm. I start doing, like, hands yeah. and stuff. So it's yeah. kind of like know yourself, figure out who you are as a person, know what your triggers are, and figure out why those are your triggers. Like, yeah. figure out why something like that bothers you mm-hmm. and stuff. And it can go past to something last week or something yeah, when you that, were a child. Yeah. So we got to acknowledge first. I just first. had an example of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we yeah, got to yeah. acknowledge our traumas first. Yeah. Um, hold people accountable. And I, I understand yeah. that, you know, for the older generation, it's hard for them to hold accountability sometimes. Hey, t- that's a whole nother episode. No <laughs> right. facts. Well, that's right. We ain't going to yeah, get to that. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of hard for them to, you know, acknowledge some trauma. But mm-hmm. we also have to acknowledge that they've also encountered yeah. trauma as well. And, and, it's, that, and yeah. it's a cycle that where we have so to back. find healing mm-hmm. and no, no, and cause no further harm. No, I agree. And with that being said, before we even rap, I want to say with that, it's like 
I was having this conversation with somebody a while ago, a few people actually. It's like, at what cost do we have to keep trying to help people? Mm-hmm. Although our goal is to obviously help people, and I'm sure y'all get backlash from the people. It's Billy. like, you don't, like I said, they don't understand the back end. It's like, you're yeah. doing everything you can. You're working your butt off like every single day, and people don't understand that. They just focus on what you didn't do or what you did wrong, but mm-hmm. all the positives. So what can you say as far as like, at what point, how far can we go back to save people? Because some, I feel like some people don't even want to be saved. And yeah. then, like, at what cost will it take to get back past all this trauma and really save people? I guess it just depends on at what cost are you willing to, you know, ride out for this yeah. cause. Um, you know, this situation, like, I'm going to continue to do this work to the day Facts. I die, yeah. you know? And um, so. You know, I'm pretty sure my mother and my sisters are as well. Um, so... It just really, like I said, it depends on how much you're ready to go to battle because yeah. we we here, we probably deal with a lot of difficult things, difficult people, but in reality, we got to realize this is where we didn't put ourselves into a situation. Yeah. They put us into it, and we have to figure out. We have to help people acknowledge all the stuff that, you yeah. know, th- that is not acceptable for them or their self-worth. So yeah. that's what I'll definitely say. Okay. Well, where can people follow you at? And then also the brand, obviously, yes. National Well, Council. I need to make a yeah. quick announcement. Oh, yeah, for okay. sure, for so, sure. Free uh, I see the shirt. We have <laughs> a, a public policy research think tank called the Free Her Think Tank. Um, and so the think tank is actually going to be in uh, Martha's Vineyard, which is in Massachusetts, yeah. right where Obama uh, goes there for the yeah. summer. Um, but it's also a place for a lot of successful black and wealth, uh, mm-hmm. black wealthy people to come and spend their summers in. Um, and so what we're doing is we're selling these T-shirts. These are the Free Her T-shirts. Um, and I can actually leave you, like, the link and stuff okay, where they yeah, can buy the sure. T-shirts. Um, but these T-shirts are actually going to fund the public policy research that we do with the Think Tank. So is it not only is it going to be a safe space for our organization, but other abolitionist mm-hmm. organizations, uh, prison reform organizations, that's where they're going to come together and feel free to come and just figure out Things what together. we can do uh, yeah. across the country um, just to figure out how we can end incarceration in women and girls. Nah, perfect. I'm definitely yeah. going to make sure. Um, I already got the link, but you can send it mm-hmm. to me again. I'll make yeah. sure I add all the Instagrams and everything. Thank but you. with that being said, I, I mm-hmm. think, I definitely could see Evolve Through Experience doing something in the future with y'all because with that, I have a thing called Project Prevail. Like I said, not so much about just talking, but real action. So for me, it's like any way I could really help because um, obviously I started this years ago, but I had like Project Prevail where we did stuff for the whole George Floyd situation, not just him, but that entire police brutality thing where I was giving money to... um, Tamika Mallory until Freedom um, mm-hmm. organization, and but even before then, I started it off of Flint, Michigan, because I wanted I see what was going on With out the there. Water, I'm like, yeah. all right, I could t- bring notice to the world, but I, I'm I want to put money behind it. So what I decided is like that's just one situation. So I started Project Prevail under Evolving Through Experience, where every percentage a percentage of every sale of merchandise or whatever we do, I want to put that aside mm-hmm. just for when these situations happen. It's like. All right, y'all need something out here? Boom, we got mm-hmm. the money. We're not mm-hmm. asking no American Red Cross that mm-hmm. takes 80% of what they get and <laughs> keep it in their pocket. Yeah. It's like, cool. And then I can hold myself accountable. I, yeah. I put up the 80 million now. So now we ain't got to worry about asking y'all. It's like, this is an organization for us. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that. So like I said, I definitely could see us eventually 
uh, doing something that's working that out. But um, so yeah, so evolving through experience, I definitely want to say thank you for coming on again. Thank you. And I also want to say I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say <laughs> if you become a member at the National Council, <laughs> it is only five dollars per year. Okay. But what I always tell people when you pay that five dollars, you're actually giving free membership to a woman who is transitioning out of prison okay. for a full year. So that's okay, their way of contributing to their community. Bet. And y'all take um donations as well. On the donations right? okay. at all that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yep. All right. <laughs> So y'all see where it is. We'll definitely drop that in the link at thank the end you, of the thank day you. on all the platforms, the YouTube. So y'all know, follow us, Evolving Through Experience on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all platforms at the end of the day. Find us on Apple Music or whatever. Um, and like I say, Evolving Through Experience, we're here to help people prevail. Um, the intangibles, the inside, the things that we don't talk about as much. I know we could talk about music. We could talk about sports. We could talk about uh, finances, entrepreneurship. And I love all of those. Don't get me wrong, but... It's like, what's behind that that's really going to give you substance, that's really pushing you forward to build out brands um, like what we have today, like our brands and things like that. So that way we can really push people forward and not just so much about the things that's not ir not irrelevant, but not as relevant, not top right. priority. So again, evolve through experience. Catch y'all on the next episode. Good luck.